0: Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. I'm Tom Martin, and today on Ag Future, we'll be hearing from Alltech's Mycotoxin Matters podcast. Mycotoxins present an ever increasing threat to livestock production throughout the world. Mycotoxin Matters investigates these issues, discussing their impacts, potential solutions, sustainable farming, and the Alltech Mycotoxin Management vision for a planet of plenty. Be sure to subscribe to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Mycotoxin Matters. My name is Nick Adams, Global Director for Alltech's Mycotoxin Management Team, and today we're joined again by Dr. Radka Borutova. Hi Radka.
0: Hi Nick, glad to be here.
1: Great to have you back. Uh, Radka Has been working in the area of mycotoxins now uh, for nearly 20 years since finishing her PhD uh, and then uh, working to provide technical support to customers around the world uh, to help them develop better mycotoxin management programs within their business and today we're going to talk about the concept of low risk and what that means when we think about mycotoxin contamination. So perhaps, Radka, we can start with just understanding your definition, if you like, of what is low risk? How do you see low risk?
0: That is an interesting question, Nick, Uh, an important question. Because first, I think we have to realise what the risk means for the animals when it comes to mycotoxins. So if I talk about the mycotoxin risk in general, Uh, For the animal, it means that they are going to be somehow impacted. So we will have an impact of mycotoxins on their health performance, antioxidants, immune status, gut health, and all the other things. And I think if we talk about the low risk, then in this case, it means that the feed that presumably we think the feed is going to be contaminated with low levels of mycotoxins but on the other side it doesn't be need to be true necessarily because if we have for example more mycotoxins in the feed and they will interact they might be at low concentrations and they might cause moderate to high risk so still it doesn't depend on the uh, concentration itself but most of the time It is related to the concentrations of mycotoxins. So I think low risk are the concentrations of mycotoxin combinations of mycotoxins, which shouldn't cause any clinical signs of mycotoxin poisoning to the animals. Something what you can clearly see, something visible, something very clear. The low levels can have an impact on the animals and will have an impact on the animals or the low risk. But... It's not going to be obvious. It's something not very clear uh, to uh, not very clear, and uh, it's happening. It's having an impact on the profitability, but it's very difficult to uh, to discover it's happening. That would be my definition or how I I see the low risk. Well, the risk is there, but it's not extremely high.
1: Thanks, Radka. If you take that on then, and you think about low risk. Uh, and the concept of um, the comparison to the government guidelines, whether that's a regulatory level or whether that's an advisory level, how does the sort of low-risk concept that we're talking about fit with that?
0: Yeah, that's, I think, two completely different things because when we talk about the regulations or the recommended levels, we have, for example, in European union, then these are the levels, which if you overpass them, so you are going to feed to the animals concentrations of mycotoxins above those levels, you should clearly see the clinical signs. Well, if it's below that concentration, you should see nothing or there shouldn't be very, there shouldn't be an impact on the animals. That's what the regulation Uh, Regulation says, don't feed more than, for example, 900 ppb of dioxinimano to to cells. Does it mean that 899 ppb is safe? It's just one ppb below the recommendation. And definitely doesn't mean it's safe. It's just, you can do that, because still advisory limits. You can do that. You can feed it to the animals. But it doesn't necessarily mean it will have no impact on the animals. If we talk about the low risk, that would be much, much lower levels of mycotoxins uh, connected to the low risk than we, when we talk about these regulatory limits, because the regulatory recommended levels are very high, in my opinion. So many impacts on the animals are happening below, below these levels
1: so you just touched on it there the difference between individual mycotoxins and multiple mycotoxins so when we think about low risk how do we need to consider those two concepts where you know we look at guidelines and they're very much related to individual mycotoxins at certain levels. But we think about naturally contaminated feed where we know we're feeding X number of mycotoxins. So how should we think about risk in that context?
0: Uh, this is a very good question. This is exactly what, what's the weak point of the regulatory of these recommended levels, legal images that they only look at the monomycotoxin contamination and, of course, in the feed, they're usually facing, um, um, could be low levels of mycotoxins, but many mycotoxins at the same time. And, of course, these mycotoxins, they interact with each other. They're additive, synergistic, antagonistic interactions. So... The uh, impact of one mycotoxin might be enhanced in the presence of the other mycotoxins. It could be a, a chain reaction. So we never know what impact should we expect in the end, because different feeds have different concentrations, different combinations of different mycotoxins. And we are never able to analyze all mycotoxins in the feed. There are some mycotoxins, when you analyze the feed, there are still so many mycotoxins which were not discovered yet or we they were discovered but we are not testing for them and they might have an impact on the animal as well. So yeah it's a very difficult topic because presence of one extra my- extra mycotoxin might modify the final impact on the animal so the, we always have to take in, in, into account the possible multi mycotoxin uh, contamination and that's what we uh, we see right now when we look at the uh, running running some harvest survey which we perform right now we see that uh, the feeds uh, contain several mycotoxins at the same time so we always have to think about uh, this uh, concept in the animals. Definitely more mycotoxins will have higher impact than uh, single mycotoxins. And honestly speaking, single mycotoxins, it's almost impossible that you find this situation in the nature. I think every feed or raw material contains more than one mycotoxin. It's just a question if we can find it
1: or not. Yeah, that's a good point. So... When you then take this to the field and we think about animals and the natural variation that occurs in their growth, performance, health on a sort of daily, weekly basis, how is it possible to determine if mycotoxins are having a significant effect?
0: Yeah, it's, especially when we talk about low risk, right? We talk about exactly. low risk. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. That's very difficult to see any symptoms. That's the problem. Usually the immune system is being the only one which is apparently uh, affected. So many diseases are incorrectly diagnosed as the primary problem due to the low levels of mycotoxins that they are causing the immune system suppression. So they suppress the immune system, open the gate, and the the job is finished by infectious agent. Could be a virus, could be a parasite, could be a bacterium. But... uh, that's misleading diagnosis. Also, there is no adequate response to vaccination. When you vaccinate the animals, the titers are, might not develop as you, as you need, uh, need need them to be. Also, live vaccines can have harmful impact, which they normally shouldn't. But when the animals are immune uh, suppressed, even live vaccines uh, can cause harm to the animals. And very important for a vet for is that antibiotics, uh, which are used as therapeutics, do not perform. Uh, they don't even perform at higher dosage and, and, and use for a longer period of time. Also, the transference of antibodies from breeding animals to the offspring is impaired. And you can also see that animals are experiencing some respiratory difficulties or diseases unknown reason, from unknown reason. So all the body systems might be impaired from the immune system where majority is located in the gut and uh, also respiratory system of the animal. But also we can see problems with reproduction. But it's not clear. You cannot really define, for example, in poultry, I have reduced half percent of hatchability, one percent down uh, fertility. What is it? Many times, you know, something goes wrong but you don't know what it is. Could be mycotoxins involved.
1: So interesting there. So as much some of the the health metrics, as much as growth metrics may be indicators of some of those low levels of mycotoxins.
0: Yeah, you can have, for example, if you have higher levels or let's say higher risk, you can see clearly poor FCR. But with low levels or low risk, let's say low level of risk. you have kind of beginning of the uh, poor FCR. So it's, it's very small deterioration, but it's happening or for example, with with a with high risk, you have high mortality. you have complete rejection of the feed yeah with subclinical you have mortality about the average. Some feed rejection is happening, but it's not complete feed refusal. The animals might be more picky and so on. So it's something wrong with the animals. The animals might be not uniform, especially with broilers. You can see that they have more soft feces, higher incidence of diarrhea, but nothing like ulcers, lesions, something what you can clearly see is going wrong with the animal, but some indication that you see the animal can deal with that. That's the problem. So the animals they can deal with low, uh, low levels of mycotoxins or the low mycotoxin risk for a long time, but then if you don't do anything about it, uh, some bad batch of feed is coming and these animals they will break completely. So they cannot deal with this anymore. That's very important why you need to deal with low levels. You need to stabilize the animals. You need to support the gut health, the immune system, the oxidative antioxidant system of the the body. So when the higher risk is coming, the animals are in full and good shape. Because if you don't do that, the animals are going to be weaker and weaker, especially with the long living animals, breeding animals, where we really have to pay attention to the low risk, which is happening every day. Uh, Yeah, so some indications, but it's not very clear. You see no lesions, no high mortality, nothing is dropping dramatically, but it's happening and you are losing performance, and losing performance means lost um, profitability. That's very important.
1: Yeah. So, given the challenges in terms of assessing the the low risk challenge from looking at the, purely at the animal per se. Uh, are there other ways in which that low risk challenge can be measured in some way, shape, or form uh, within the animal, with, within uh, some sort of tissue, etc?
0: Yeah, definitely. If we go away from the feet, yeah, because you can touch the feet. When you analyze for the feet, then you see there are low levels of mycotoxins. You can identify if I have mycotoxins, I might have some risk there. You can look at the uh, you can look at the animal itself. You can look at the immune system. So you can measure the titers after the vaccination, phagocytic activity, phagocytic index, immunoglobulins, lymphocytes. All these simple indicators of the immune system performance. You can look at the antioxidant system. Uh, measure the uric acid, glutathione, the intracellular antioxidant, the antioxidant enzymes, malondialdehyde, selenium, vitamins, A, E. And you can look at the blood biochemistry as well. Talk about the activities of liver enzymes, for example, sphingonin, sphingosin ratio in in the blood or urine, total protein, albumin, globulin, cholesterols, the HDLC to total cholesterol. So there are some indicators which will Show you something going wrong with the animal, except of the swing and that was that is quite typical for the in exposure. If I have increased uh, liver enzymes, I can in in the blood serum, I can say there's something wrong, going wrong with the liver, yeah, because the enzymes they don't belong to the blood serum, they belong to the liver. Uh, they should be inside the liver, but it's not specific. And these are so-called indirect biomarkers where I can say. Yeah, something going wrong with the animal, with the organs, we, uh, but you cannot really estimate. If you put it into, um, I would say, a connection to the mycotoxin analysis, that would be more, yeah? I see some levels of mycotoxins in the feed. I see something going wrong with the blood. I see something going wrong with the titers. You have a suspicion and indication, mm, might be mycotoxins involved. So I, I would say mycotoxin analysis in the feed is a must. Is the must. When you want to discover if there are some micro toxins and all the additional analysis, which the veterinarians can perform is good, good to have to see which organ is suffering, which organ system is not doing well. And that I need to do something with the animals. You cannot, you don't have to see that. It's like oh, I, I will I use, um, uh, example people who are drinking too much alcohol yeah, they can handle it for for a long long time but the liver is going to suffer and you measure the uh, the liver enzymes in the blood and you say so some toxin is poisoning your liver yeah it's the alcohol so it's the same analogy but the people can handle that for many many years and they will not die within one day but it's it's getting there so it's very simple a simple comparison i would say
1: rad can you talked there about Indirect measurements per se. What about any direct measurements? More more thinking there about things like biomarkers, a lot more talk about these things. How do they fit into today's world, as it were?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question because we we shouldn't forget uh, the biomarkers nowadays. Of course, in a control research uh, settings, when we know the uh, contamination profiles of the diet, we know how much mycotoxin we fed. Uh, what time, when was the feeding, then we take the blood, we take the urine, we can euthanize the animals and open the animal, take the organs and measure the direct uh, mycotoxin biomarkers, exposure-based biomarkers. This, This means we will measure the mycotoxins themselves or the mycotoxin metabolites. So, of course, then we know the animals were exposed to the mycotoxin. We still don't know what was okay when the animal dies we know what was the impact of those uh, mycotoxins on the animal but still the interpretation of the results based on the information about the biomarkers so mycotoxins and mycotoxin metabolized from the blood urine feces organs it's difficult i don't think we are still we are there um in real commercial settings and field conditions this is I would say, waste of money, resources and time and um, it's impossible to interpret the data in the way that we will be able to say, yeah, these are the mycotoxins, mycotoxin metabolites in the blood, urine, feces I found and this is the impact on the animal. It's impossible. We are not at that stage yet. The research scientists are still working on it. Of course, that's the hot topic right now, but I think for controlled research conditions, settings, yes, uh, fantastic. Mm, the trials should be, uh, or in, in the in the scientific studies, it is appropriate to do the biomarker analysis, but in the field conditions, farm conditions, I don't think so. It's not the right time yet. It's too early. We don't have the knowledge behind. We, don't, we cannot interpret the results properly.
1: okay thanks for uh... All of your thoughts today, in in covering what's a, a pretty complex topic, and still you know so much is difficult to pin down when we talk about this concept of low risk. Are there any sort of final thoughts that you've you've got for our listeners today?
0: My advice, uh, when we want to discover, the animals are facing the the uh, the. Any mycotoxin risk, I would recommend every veterinarian feed company representatives or people who are involved in this business to test the feed uh, properly and regularly for mycotoxins. There are many detection techniques which are not expensive, which are not time-consuming like ELISA or LFD technology. You can even use the credit labs. To discover if the feed contains mycotoxins, and when we and raw or raw materials contain mycotoxins, once you see mycotoxins in your raw materials, you can automatically extrapolate that to your possible impacts on your animals' health, performance, uh, immunity, anything. And you can, of course, by by doing good mycotoxin management, you can improve your profitability. That's definitely yes.
1: Thanks, Radka. As always, uh, for your information, uh, we hope everyone has enjoyed this edition of mycotoxin matters and we'll look forward to talking with you again in the near future
0: thank you very much looking forward to this one have a nice day
1: we hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the mycotoxin matters podcast for more information on the topics discussed please visit nomycotoxins.com. that's k-n-o-w mycotoxins.com
0: this has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.